This episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook of your choice that you get to keep with their free trial. You can learn more at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 69. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we're going to Mattoon, Illinois, to talk to Pastor Willie Grills. He is the pastor of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, as well as the vacancy pastor of St. John's Lutheran Church in Mattoon. He is also one of the hosts of Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast that you can check out that we'll talk about more about later in the episode. Pastor Grills, welcome to the show. Well, hey, Nick, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be on here. Kind of nice to, that we're able to talk to people so far away and find Lutherans even even out where you are, you know? <laughs> even nice. out in crazy Washington State, yes. <laughs> so help orient us geographically. We're in Illinois. Where is Mattoon? Right. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I should say I can't make too much fun of the Northwest when I am in Illinois, after all. <laughs> but we are in east central Illinois, so pretty far east and kind of right in the middle there. Um, not too far from uh, the Indiana border, but a little ways. Uh, and we're just south of Champaign, Illinois, which some people may know. Um, we're under two hours from St. Louis, under two hours from Indianapolis, a little over two hours to Chicago. So that kind of puts us right in as middle of middle America as you could get, I would say. I see. Tell us a little bit more about what it's like to be in such a place where you're very close to all these metropolitan areas, but you're still in this, I would assume that you're kind of in a, not a rural area, but in a more, a less populated area than many people who live in the city are. Yeah. Yeah. Mattoon would be considered by most a small town. Um, although for many, it kind of approaches medium size. I mean, small is very relative. Uh, where I actually live actually is rural, but it's just a, like a mile north of town. But I will be soon be surrounded by corn and soybeans as they begin to, to grow. Um, so, yeah, it's it's nice, though. Uh, it's quiet here. Um, it is different from the cities. There are issues with large metropolitan areas, of course. But you're you're close enough that they're all accessible if you need them. I mean, and there's also Springfield, Peoria. I mean, you know, other things that are within a reasonable distance for most people. Um, so that if someone did want to move here, they would still have access to the amenities that those t kinds of uh, areas provide. But still, you can be a bit removed from from what I would perceive as drawbacks there for some people. That makes sense. So tell us a little bit more about what you think the best things about the area are. Yeah. Um, so the area in general, uh, very quiet, uh, people very friendly. Um, everything's easily accessible right along the interstate if you need it. Major state routes run through it. So, so that is very, very nice. Um, as far as Illinois goes, one of the better places to live. And in Illinois in general, um, at least for now, uh, the homeschooling laws are very good. Uh, the laws concerning private education are very good. The state is not involved really in any way. And so I think that is a big positive for Christians. And it really surprises a lot of people to learn that about Illinois, uh, that the homeschooling laws especially are so strong. But um, the homeschoolers are left alone, and really the private schools are left alone for now. That's really good. So tell us about the flip side. What are some of the, the challenges about the area? 
Well, I think, um, you know, our challenges are not unique. They're pretty common. Um, you know, employment is an issue. Um, Mattoon was a big manufacturing town up until about the 80s or 90s. Pretty common story. And then all the jobs begin to be exported. The factories begin to close. And so the, the local economy has never recovered. Uh, the farming industry is still very strong. Uh, the, the land is still very expensive for that reason. However, um, as the years go by, the local farmers are fewer in number and big conglomerates continue to sort of take over the farmland as it becomes available. So that would be the, the specific issues. Uh, you have the general societal pressures that come with living in America today and living in a state like Illinois right now. So as far as public education goes and as far as public policies, um, there are a lot of anti-Christian things or things that Christians cannot endorse that are being forced upon people's consciences by the government. And so that becomes difficult. Uh, we're in a state with a tremendous budget crisis, which, of course, is difficult, too. So so all of those kind of political things that in years past, you could be like, OK, well, does state budget really affect me? Well, no. Well, now the state has also gotten into philosophy. <laughs> and so that is starting to affect people with public education and with speech laws and, and things like that. So but but the wind's blowing that direction in much of the country right now. Yeah, unfortunately, that that definitely is the case. You mentioned speech laws. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, there you know, there's uh, there's nothing quite you know uh, official yet, but the legislature, the, the latest uh, legislature, seems to be perpetually meeting uh, or perpetually scheming, and so there's always some threat of a bill getting out of committee that would police speech in some way. Um, we did just pass a criminal law reform bill that effectively eliminates cash bail and most arrests in Illinois, too. So any anything that was perceived as radical can easily pass now. So um, it's just a matter of getting out of committee and then what the courts say. So there's always some new bit of legislation introduced that would want to try to police what could be said. And so now public schools, for example, have to teach, have to teach. LGBTQ history. And they're soon going to have to teach, they're trying to pass legislation where you're teaching very radical, very explicit sexual education to like kindergartners and things like that. And that's a precursor to broader speech laws, you know, because now these are, these are thinking laws. And so, yeah, occasionally there'll be a bill introduced, you know, uh, about tax exempt status and, you know, uh, religious speech or things like that, you know. Often don't get out of committee, but now we're seeing stuff get out of committee that never would have anyway, right? And and again, what I'm saying here can apply to many, many states. And and for the most part, honestly, downstate Illinois is sort of left alone, but there was a lot of trickle down. And I, and I should say from Springfield, the capital, but for all intents and purposes, it's from Chicago. That's where the seat of power really is. I don't even know if our governor actually lives in the capital city. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of similar things going on here in Washington State, too. It's Yeah, it's an interesting time, certainly. Let's talk about how that affects or if it affects being Lutheran there. How What's it like being a Lutheran in Mattoon? Well, I think being a Lutheran is easy in Mattoon, um, easier than in other places, at least as far as finding a congregation. You know, I talk to guys in other parts of the country, and they have their, their winkles. That's our, for those listening, that's kind of our local pastors meetings and they're having to drive great distances we don't you can't throw a dead cat without hitting an lcms church here 
so they're just, it's like every other small town has one. And so you do, so you are able to find a church and you're able to find a faithful church, which is good. So our um, circuit, you know, very solid, uh, good pastors here, which, which is helpful. Uh, kind of the drawback, though, is people, I think, take it for granted. You know, when you have to go a distance to get to church, you're kind of making that sacrifice. And here you'll get, well, I don't want to drive 10 minutes to go to church or something. You know? <laughs> and so in that way. So um, now on the flip side, though, I think that uh, we we struggle with uh, people wanting uh, to be a part of, let's say, uh, or they want to make their Lutheran congregations look more like evangelical congregations, Right. Or, or something something less than Lutheran. So we do have some of that. Um, but for, for the most part, a very German area, uh, and people are conscious of that identity, and that helps. You know, I kind of hate to put it in those terms, but it does help maintain uh, Lutheran identity. My, my congregation, uh, very traditional. Um, it's the oldest congregation in the county here, kind of the mother church. And uh, so they've always been conscious of, of their Lutheran heritage and identity and want to preserve that. And they've been through trials and things to where their their confession has been tested and they have stood firm. That is excellent. How much of the, you already mentioned this kind of upstate, um, lower state divide or like the Chicago rest of this state divide. How much of, and you've mentioned kind of the trickle down, how much of that comes into a religious life, if if any? Um. You mean as far as like political divide in the congregation or as far as – No, I mean as far as what the congregation's reaction has been to this um, kind of progressive oh, sure. push sure. from the yeah. rest of the state. Uh, the the congregation – by and large, people don't like it. And even people who would have have historically leaned blue um, – and I don't want to get too political, but you know the, the – it's a big union state, but that kind of represents an older version of that. Yeah. And they are seeing uh, their party leave them, and they are a bit scandalized at what what has happened. And it's really just been it's been marriage issues or critical theory, things like that that have really uh, the violence that we've seen and rioting and things. The general unrest in the country has really caused people to reflect upon political ramifications. So in that way, yes, it has affected uh, people boots on the ground level. Um, and the danger we have, though, are people wanting to give in to despair because they've not seen this unrest. I mean, yeah, okay, in the 60s, true, but whether we can argue whether the 60s were better or worse, but what we have is constant media bombardment now so that people cannot escape this, even if they want to. They're going to open their phones, they're going to turn on their TVs, and they're constantly bombarded with this. And so what we have to remind our people of is that whichever party is in power— um, and again, it's not about Republican versus Democrat or anything like that, but whatever is coming in the world, you know, trust God, trust in his faithfulness, don't give in despair because God will work good out of this ultimately, you know, according to Romans. Uh, so we have to believe that. And, and so, you know, getting people to, um, one, not despair and two, not hate their neighbor can be a tricky one too, because this can very quickly give way as the political climate becomes more and more heated, you will see flare-ups like that occasionally among among members. Although not necessarily in my congregation, I must say. Everybody gets along and, and is very, very friendly. But we do see this. We do see this thing happen. And, and in that way, it affects it because division gets ratings, right? And so the, the division that they're playing into 
um, with what they're listening to and seeing can can kind of bleed over into congregational life. That makes sense. So would you say that the kind of religious atmosphere of Mattoon kind of outside of the LCMS, which you've already mentioned, you know, you can't throw a rock without hitting an LCMS church or a dead cat. Right. What what would you say in terms of the rest of the population? Is it kind sure. of that American Christianity or is it more secularized? Um, I think you still have a very Christian, culturally Christian attitude, but that's quickly diminishing. Um, you know, and you'll still have people identify as Christians, but you know, they'll be, you know, homosexual pro homosexuality or, or something like that. Um, you know, um, but specifically here's what we've got going on. We have, you know, Lutheran churches, of course, Catholic, all of the major denominations are represented in Mattoon or at least in Coles County. We have a rather large apostolic church in Mattoon, which is kind of something you don't see everywhere. Uh, we have a giant, I think Illinois' largest Old Order Amish community just next door. So we do see a lot of Mennonites and Amish, um, very strong. I mean, they're, you see them out all the time. So that does make us kind of unique. And I think when you have a community like the Amish or like the Mennonites, they do serve as a bulwark against uh, a lot of secular invasion because they're intentionally living separately in a way. Um so you have them, but then you do have the big box kind of cookie cutter evangelical churches too. And if we're losing members, um, the Lutheran churches are losing members. It's usually to those kinds of churches. I mean, oh. nine times out of 10. So they'll either stop going to church at all, or they'll want to make the Lutheran church into kind of this big box approach, find that nobody's really interested in that. And so then they'll move on to the other ones. And of course, we have our Baptists and, and things like that, too, a number of uh, Campbellite churches, for example, as well. But I would say that the ones making the biggest impact uh, on us would be the big box church. I, mean, I don't really know how to define them. I don't mean that necessarily in a derogative manner, but kind of these big, quote-unquote, non-denom yeah, congregations. I, I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. That makes sense. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. Folks, if you like podcasts, you will enjoy Audible. It's a service that gives you an audiobook to listen to each month of your choice from a large library. And they want to get you started with a free trial offer that includes an audiobook that you get to keep. So go to lutherancartographer.com slash audible to get your free audiobook and start your free trial today. If you're not sure what book to check out, I recommend taking a look at Pastor Jonathan Fisk's Broken, Seven Christian Rules That Every Christian Should Break As Often As Possible. This was recently released on Audible. I'm very excited about it. In the book, Pastor Fisk goes through the classic pitfalls of moralism, mysticism, and rationalism, as well as several others. Check it out at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Let's get back to our guest. Let's move on and talk about what it's like to raise a family there. You've already mentioned how the homeschooling laws of Illinois are very favorable and very nice. What else should listeners know about raising a family in the area? Yeah, I, I think it's actually a good place to raise a family. Um, again, we're like so many uh, towns in the Midwest or in the South or in the East or West. I mean, really, what we're getting is we are seeing crime rates go up. We're seeing drug abuse go up. So any of the negatives that I could mention would not be unique to Mattoon. 
and um, and, and especially in the white community with opioids and things like that, that's a that's a crisis that we need to tackle as a country and as a church. Something that we are very silent on. So yes, so drugs are a problem, and with the drug issue, crime goes up. But again, that wouldn't be unique to Mattoon. On the positive end, um, you know, it it is very family oriented. Um, there are a lot of family activities. It's a large youth baseball town, so that's very good. Um, if you live outside of town, you're free. You can kind of do what you want, have a garden, raise chickens, do that. We're able to do that. So you're largely left alone, and people will leave you alone to raise your families. And I, and there are enough people, uh, plus with the Mennonites and everything, who understand why Christians more and more not only should but must kind of take education into their own hands or take a more active role into the education of their families. And I would add congregations too. So I think people generally respect um, whatever you do as far as education goes and your lifestyle. Now I sound progressive, right? <laughs> but but, gen- but generally down here, people are, it's salt of the earth, blue collar people working and it, it is good because it still feels like uh, America used, <laughs> used to be. Uh, and, and that's not a bad thing. So people, um, so again, people still very helpful, generally very friendly. Um, everything is accessible and you're free to, to be a Christian for now. And so I I think in that way it really serves. And honestly, I do believe having the communities we do around here helps kind of, uh, strengthen that. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Let's go on and talk about what, the best things to do in the area are places to eat things to do if somebody was coming into town what would you say ah you got to check this out yeah um okay uh, so that's a little, i mean there are um there are lots of parks and things like that i mean we're talking about a, a small town you know again if you want to do anything crazy you're gonna have to go to one of the bigger cities uh restaurants um I know you hipsters out in Washington love when I mention chain restaurants, but there are uh, every, any chain restaurant you could want. There are a few local ones that are good, um, and the local restaurant scene is is coming back. You know, after COVID, it was kind of touchy on what would. Uh, McWhorter's Pub, which is in our local dead mall, is actually quite good. Um, El Vaquero is a pretty good Mexican restaurant here. Kind of going outside the city just a little bit, you go into Amish country, you've got Yoder's Kitchen, so you've got kind of that Amish uh, Americana kind of flair. That would be something that would definitely be worth checking out. So you'd head over to Amish country. There's this kind of cool drive through zoo you can hit just before you get to the Amish town. So you hit Aikman Wildlife Adventure. Then you head over into Amish country. You buy some nice wooden furniture. You get some homemade fudge. And you gorge yourself on a on a buffet on the buffet at Yoder's. That's actually a pretty good afternoon. Um, then you, you feel guilty about it, but you just go walking around. You go find a park. You find one of the nice trails, you know, somewhere around one of the 450 Lincoln log cabins that we have in the state of Illinois. And you know, you make a day of it. So I see. Great. Now let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about current events. Illinois has been in the news quite a bit for your coronavirus policy and it being somewhat draconian. How much has it affected you and your church? Um, early on, and I mean, I'm talking first month of coronavirus, I would say it affected us much more than it did now. Um, eventually, uh, the, the case was going to go to the Supreme Court and then Governor Pritzker decided to make, as far as churches are concerned, to make them 
not guidelines, not laws or not uh, mandates, but just guidelines. So legally, the churches were then kind of free to do what they want. A lot of our area churches have gone back to normal. We are mostly just sort of back to normal at St. Paul's, frankly. Um, we've not seen any huge outbreak in cases, only a handful in the congregation, um, which has been very good. Uh, so, you know, I even, I'm even shaking hands again <laughs> on exit. So, um, but I think that people needed that. I think that pushback was, was good. Um, we, we did not see a dip in attendance. We have seen an increase in attendance, oddly enough. Uh, and so what looked dire early on, you know, when we really were kind of listening to the restrictions and doing our best to obey them. Uh, I think looking back, we probably wouldn't have done that. Uh, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And that was, again, very brief. We very quickly kind of went back, I want to say mostly to normal. Now, it's still affecting businesses. It's still affecting some people. There are some people we still haven't seen because they've taken the restrictions very seriously. And some will say that we have to because it's a government mandate. Well, but now it's a government guideline. So what do you do? Uh, and now there's threats again of putting certain regions of the state back on lockdown or, you know, further restrictions. Uh, our region is, is apparently doing good, whatever the metric is. So, so we're not under, under threat there. Um, but, but so not our congregation so much, but other churches are still feeling, feeling the sting. I think the Catholic churches in this diocese still have to register to attend mass and things like that. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of what I would consider overboard approaches to communion practice and things like that. You know, it's funny, we're seeing churches that would never fence the table as far as communion goes, but they're taking a lot of precaution to make sure it's wrapped up carefully in cellophane and, you know, as inaccessible as possible in that way, which is a funny bit of irony, I think. Certainly, yes. This could be dangerous if we give it to someone if we're not careful. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I think Paul has something to say about that. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm. Yeah. All right. So before we get into our closing questions, I want to ask you something that I usually don't ask, but your the beginning of the podcast certainly made me think about, and that is, what are your thoughts around what the best approach might be for Christians who are in the sort of situation that you are in or that I am in here in Washington State, where you have extremely progressive cities that are dictating to the rest of the state, and then that Mm -hmm. affects our congregations and our congregants in terms of the policies they see around them, the teachings they see in their schools. Of course, one option is, of course, just to get out of the public schools and school your kids at home. That's a great option. And I would encourage anybody listening to strongly consider doing that. But what are your thoughts about strategy and things that Christians consider can consider doing? Yeah. Well, no, I, I do agree with you. I think that that, you know, uh, is the, is well, the better option is to private school or homeschool if you can. Some people may not have that option for a number of reasons. So, um, either can't afford it or whatever, but that's something I think that could be, that, that hopefully a Lutheran school would, <laughs> would help out with. But, um, well, we have to, uh, one, understand that if we're not going to educate our children or our congregation, somebody else will. Somebody's going to fill that vacuum. And so we have to begin by uh, being in the Word and studying the Word and standing upon that. So Christians need to be bold um, 
in proclamation of the Word of God, but also in the actual study of it and diligent in prayer. I do think prayer is the number one thing we need to do. We need to pray for our state. We need to pray for our nation, because I do believe that it will take a miracle of, or excuse me, a work of God to turn it around, and but God can. We've seen this happen in the scriptures before. Um, but anyway, as far as practical stuff, studying the scripture and making a scripture a part of your home. So if you have family, do devotions with them, pray with them, and live your Christian faith in the home, not just on Sundays. Show them a real living faith. That's going to go a long way. Um, and so that's what we really need to do. Uh, we need to, when the state says, shut the churches down, you need to be in church. <laughs> okay, so, so and they've gotten a taste, a lot of Christians have gotten their first taste of what it is to be on the wrong side of the state, and they've realized what it is to resist a little bit. And so churches have said, no, we're going to go ahead and open. Churches have said, no, we're not going to let you shut us down. This is essential what we're doing. We do need this. Because we've had our, our leaders in the state actually come out and say, you don't need to meet in person. Oh, really? So, so the state is literally does try in a way to dictate what the, you know, what the church policies would be. But we do need to meet in person. Okay, The incarnation is very important in the Christian church. The sacrament of the altar is something that, uh, sorry guys if you disagree, but it can't be done virtually. And so we need to uh, we need to be together. Community is important. And so so if the family is strong, then we go out and we try to build um, you know strong churches from that. And so we build on that community having strong communities, I think is what's going to really protect us. Um, so you know, trusting in God, growing in his word, receiving his gifts, you know will will keep us in the faith. And then beyond that, you know you have the very practical things like uh, secession. If we want to, if we want to try that, a lot of downstate counties here have actually passed um, secession uh, mandates or whatever you want to call it, uh, basically saying, yeah, if it would ever happen, we really want it. And these things are passing like 85, 90 percent uh, when it does come up on the the county ballot. I don't know if you if there's a movement like that up your way or not, but I know Northern California has similar. Uh, it is so, but it's hilarious. It is hilarious to me to be living here where you have Abraham Lincoln stuff everywhere. And all these people who are really into Abraham Lincoln, and now they're telling me, we've got to secede. We've got to secede <laughs> to keep our liberties. Well, more power to them. Hopefully they, right. they lean to, more towards those instincts than the Lincolnian in instincts. There we go. I like your style, Nicholas. Thanks so much for your time today. As we close out the podcast, I want to make sure to give you the opportunity to point our listeners where you'd like. Your church's website, places to follow you online. Where would you like to send our listeners? Sure. Well, uh, you'll find... Uh, the church is on Facebook right now. Our website, uh, we're working on it. It'll hopefully be online before too long. But St. Paul's uh, LCMS Mattoon, you'll find it on Facebook there. Um, myself, I co-host uh, the podcast, uh, A Word Fitly Spoken. So it's on all of your, um, any podcast app you have, wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. You can find me on Twitter at Rev Grills or somewhere on Facebook. Not too many Willie Grills are out there. It'll probably be me if you if you find them. So, uh, but check out Word Fitly Spoken. We love if you uh, listen to that. You know, check out St. Paul's stuff. We do have some some content on there. We're going to be doing more. Um, we just completed a, a major restoration of our sanctuary, so that's mostly what you're going to see on our social media right now. So we're pretty in the middle of a pandemic. We pulled that off. Felt pretty good. Nice. So. Tell us a little bit more about Word Fitly Spoken. What can people expect if they download an episode? Sure. Word Fitly Spoken um, is going to cover a broader range of topics. I think right now we're mostly known for covering Lutheran history. 
we cover a lot of what we call the forgotten era. That's like 19th century LCMS Lutheran history, things like that. Um, we do touch on cultural topics, biblical topics. So there's just a very broad uh, range there. So if you like history, check us out. Um, if you like uh, cultural commentary, really check out uh, the last few episodes that we've done. So we, we've got we've got stuff there for for everyone. And then occasionally we'll do what we call conclaves, where we bring in uh, both hosts and the regular guests, and we answer listener questions. So we do those fairly regularly too. Fantastic. When it comes to that history piece, have you covered at all the the nineteenth century Wisconsin Lutherans that, or the the liturgicals that really strongly opposed the progressive era and the progressive era policies? Have you gotten to that topic yet? Uh, not a whole lot, um, but it's it's still there because you always bump, kind of always bump into that. Um, you know, right now, you know, like we've covered the synodical conference, the history of that, the breakup, those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, that, that 19th century period, and especially that's very interesting because everybody thinks that Seminex in the 70s was the first time this battle was fought, you know? But it really goes back much, much earlier than that. Certainly, yeah. All right, well, listeners, I encourage you to check that out. And again, the website was? Uh, wordfitlyspoken.org. Fantastic. All right, as we close out the podcast, what are your parting thoughts for our listeners, Pastor Grills? Well, um, well folks, I know you're out there, and we've talked a lot about uh, some doom and gloom type situations here, but that's just blue state stuff, you know, We're, it's just what we do. Um, people out in North Dakota or down in uh, Florida right now are laughing at us, and they should. That's fine. Um, but don't give in to, into despair. Um, you know, look around your local congregation. You're going to find faithful people. You have uh, great connections, though, to the broader Lutheran world now with podcasts like the one you're listening to where you'll see that there are faithful Lutheran confessors everywhere, even when the states, even in states you wouldn't want to live in, maybe. And, and that's fine, you know, so don't, so don't give in to despair. Um, there are faithful Christians out there. Um, let's all just keep praying for our nation, praying for each other, building one another up. This too shall pass. The Lord's church continues to grow. He continues to, stay, to sustain those that he brings into it. And ultimately, Jesus Christ will have the victory. Amen. Thank you again. God's peace. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, including links to Word Fitly Spoken, Pastor Grill's podcast, you can find all that at the show notes page. That's at lutherancartographer.com slash 69. I encourage you to check out that auto offer to go ahead and get your free audiobook of your choice with their free trial offer. You can check it out at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.